Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. we're talking about this idea of change and he encouraged us last week to be agents of change and one of the things that really stuck out to me that he said is that change is a constant in our lives which seems a bit of an oxymoron doesn't it that change is constant but it is so true and he also said that two-thirds of us don't like it Is that true? Two-thirds of us do not like change. But this morning, I want to just have us think about what what does it look like if we can just expect change? Just know that it's coming. Embrace it instead of letting it rattle us. I think we'll have a whole lot more peace and can live consistent with who we really are, which you and I, if we have chosen to follow the way of Jesus— We are connected to God. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's who you and I are. And we're ready for change, right? Now, I'll confess, when I saw the the sermon series title, Do It Tomorrow, I thought, yes! That's my motto in life. Like, why do today what I can put off until tomorrow? Anyone with me? Like, I'm like, I can do this. Um, I would say I work best, and I would even say I thrive under pressure. Like, too much time is just too much time. However, I do not, you do not, we do not have that option when it comes to the transforming power and the gift of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ. We don't have the option to put it off until it works for us. Or maybe until we're in crisis and we need God then. We don't have the option to put it off even if we don't like what we might have to give up. And some of us, we might think, you know what? Um, My life looks just like my friends. Maybe your life is a little too comfy. Maybe it's a little too safe. Maybe it's not truly in line with the way of Jesus. You know, we don't like pain. We don't like the uncomfortable, you know, to take up our cross. To live holy lives, surrendered to God, is going to require change. There's a couple words in there that may feel like four-letter words. Surrender and change. They don't always feel that great. This week, uh, the word that kind of is the running theme, is sanctification. And it's kind of one of those really big churchy words, but it simply means the action or process of being freed from sin. And if we want to talk about sin just a second, at the very, very base, sin is being disconnected from God. So if we think about back in the garden, that's what happened, right? Adam and Eve chose for themselves, and their choice brought disconnection from God. So um, we don't want to do that. We don't want to live life on our own. 
and therefore be disconnected from God. So while God did all the work, we can establish that, right? When God sent Jesus to live, to die, to be resurrected, like God did all the work. But this whole thing of sanctification requires action on our part to get connected to God, to be open to change, to be open to that transformation. It's taking up our cross, surrendered, and constantly changing. I don't know if you've ever thought you would someday arrive at this place where there would no longer be a need for action or change. I used to think that. I used to think, when am I gonna figure this out? When am I not going to need to go through all these difficult things? When am I going to get it? And uh, I think the truth is, you and I, we're in process until we die. So perhaps, again, we can just begin to expect it and accept it. Now, I actually like change. Uh, new challenges really get me going because uh, I, get, I get bored pretty easily, not, not with you, Jean, not, not with who I'm married to. This, I'm, we're talking like work here, right? So um, I used to think something was wrong with me because I get into a work scene and soon I would be, I'd be bored. And I'm saying this was like, even like in my mid forties, I would think what in the world am I gonna be when I grow up? Like I still haven't figured out what is it that I should be doing. But then I realized that's how I'm wired. I'm a starter. I got to put a label on it. I'm a starter. Like I love, um, I love the, the challenge of getting something up and running, getting systems in place, getting it organized and, and efficient, all of that. But then I'm kind of done with it. Then I'm ready for a new challenge. So that sort of change, I like. But when it comes to surrender to what God wants to change in me, that's like a whole different story. Like when he asks me to give up my pride, maybe forgive, let go, or to give of my finances or my time. Because, you know, I kind of like things the way I like them. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Jean, for making that abundantly clear in the last Idol series that I love comfort. Maybe when God asks me to extend grace over and over and over again, or to love without record of wrong, because injustice is kind of a hard one for me, too. Maybe when he asks me to wait on him, to be patient with the process, when I can see a perfect and quick solution right here, but he asks me to wait. Or when he asks me to be quiet instead of saying hurtful things. I saw a meme a couple weeks ago, actually a couple months ago, now that's perfect. It said, growth is deleting the entire paragraph and just texting back, okay. 
Or what about when God asked me to turn to him instead of food? Maybe for you, it's drugs, alcohol, sex. Again, insert the idol of choice there. See, these things all take transformation of our hearts and our minds. Yes, we can try so hard to change by doing the right things, but unless we surrender to God in his ways, it is not gonna last. Because only with true heart transformation and transformation of the way we think can we find victory in this peace and truly be who we were created to be? So we've got to allow change. Live our hands with open, or live our days with open hands and open hearts. If you've been here not even very long at all, you've seen us do this, this posture of open hands. Instead of having our fingers and our and our hands wrapped around the way we want things to be and, and having control. We do this thing that's sometimes really so hard is to say, okay, God, I give it to you. So it's this posture of saying, okay, change what you want. See, life is a series of changes. It is, it's really one process after another. You can talk about it like seasons. Uh, we've got seasons here in Northern Indiana, don't we? But the seasons in our life you can't move away from like you can these. So if we can expect them, and again, you don't even have to like them. You don't, you don't have to like all of the seasons, all of the things that you go through, but be ready to move. Because rejecting the move that you know that you need to make and to live in that place of resistance to the Holy Spirit is to live in a place of undoneness. We've got to respond to the transformation. Nature is, is such a great teacher to us in this great example. And while it's probably been used ad nauseum, I want to use the example of the butterfly again this morning as the caterpillar transforms into a butterfly. The caterpillar goes through these seasons as well goes through this mundane, or I would think of it as mundane, season of just chewing, 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 chewing. And then it does this death of sorts, where it's in the chrysalis, the cocoon, and really, you really can't see visibly that anything is happening until then the chrysalis becomes transparent and you can see wings, and pretty soon the butterfly emerges and it's spreading its wings and is ready to fly. So kind of like sanctification, you know, the word that we talked about, it takes action for the caterpillar to become a butterfly. I don't know about you, but I could watch them for a long time. We have a lot of them in our flowering bushes outside at home, and I just think they look so peaceful and so inviting. But as I was thinking about this, I thought, but what's the point in a butterfly? I mean, I feel that way about mosquitoes and I'm thinking, but a butterfly is like, do they have a purpose? So as in all things, you know, Google and find truth. <clears throat> so what I found is that part of their role is pest control. Some butterflies eat aphids off of plants. Okay, 
That's fascinating. They're plant pollinators. So as they're flitting about, they're pollinating. And you know what? They only live for about three weeks. That's kind of sad. But the saddest part of all was the fact that they're a source of food for bats and birds. That made me kind of sad. But the the beautiful part in this now, listen, is they're considered as a symbol of good luck because they signify creativity, freedom, love, and the concept of turning inward and growing as a person. So emerging with your wings, so to speak. So we can talk about this concept and we can get it for the butterfly, right? That makes sense. It's kind of cool. But can we see it for ourselves? Can we appreciate the mundane chewing seasons? You know, those times when we wonder what on earth is going on? Why am I still here? Why am I still doing this? When are you going to answer my prayers, God? What is going on? And then the whole dying to self part, like, we don't want anything to do with that. So can we look at this analogy and believe it for ourselves? Can we see that our life, like the butterfly, pollinates and brings growth to other things? Can we see our lives as that? Like if we allow God to transform us, that we can actually touch other people, affect other people in a positive way. Now, another thing I see around our house is bees. And I don't feel so fondly about the bees. And so I, I have the same question. Like, what on earth is the purpose of a bee? Okay, so I understand the whole honey thing. But at our house, we have carpenter bees, and they are slowly destroying our house. They are boring holes into all of the cedar. And one day, the deck's just going to fall apart. So how, how is it? that a bee has purpose. So I Googled again. So along with the honey thing, right? I know that one, but there's a lot of different kinds of bees. And the carpenter bees actually have purpose too, which kind of bothers me because I kill them. Um, They pollinate 15% of, of the world's food. And along with butterflies, bees... So bees and butterflies pollinate 75% of the world's flowering plants. Bees alone pollinate a third of the food we eat. So in spite of their good, you know, some of them are destructive, but there's honey, there's pollination. But how many of us fear bees? Those of you that have been in my house, I've seen you dash, like run for mad from them. Like I've seen it. Like I am out of here. That buzz that you hear in your ear is frightening. And I know some of you have been stung by bees, and it's, it's not real great. But while they, they do like sweat, they really typically won't sting you unless they feel threatened or like you're, you're like getting in their space or you're going to hurt them. Kind of like the annoying people in our lives. I think bees, annoying people, they kind of reveal our fears and our insecurities Um, our prejudices, our selfishness. 
How do people see you? I wonder if uh, they see you as a peaceful butterfly or a buzzing, annoying, fearful bee. See, bees and butterflies, they don't have a choice about which they're going to be. But you and I, we do. So can we make that choice and let God, like the butterfly, let God transform us? Now, lest we begin to think this is all about butterflies and bees, let's turn to Scripture. I'm going to be reading this morning from Romans 12, and I'll be reading in the message translation, um, which is a little different than I normally do, um, but I really like the way that this translation um, reads. And this is Paul talking to the Roman Christians, and he's just saying, you know what, in view of this beautiful gift, so we talked earlier about the fact that we don't have, we really cannot delay stepping into this gift of the gospel and spreading it to others. So Paul here is saying, in light of this beautiful gift, how should we respond to it, this gift that is life in Jesus? And I wonder if it helps us to think of it as a gift, like this idea of transformation and sanctification. It seems like work. It seems like hard work, but it is a gift. This way of Jesus is a gift. So I think this passage, as we read through it, you'll find that it is um, kind of the caterpillar's journey as well to being a butterfly. So I'm going to read um, the first couple of verses here. And my heading says, place your life before God. And again, we're doing this open-handed posture. Paul says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So here we see this, your everyday ordinary life, the chewing, 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 and then presenting it to God is kind of the dying to self piece. Then he says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. The caterpillar doesn't try to become the leaf he's eating or the twig he's climbing, the grass he's climbing on. He just keeps doing what he was created to do. Then Paul says, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. So here's the butterfly emerging with his wings and then pollinating as he goes. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Like the bees, right? Think about a bee. God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. See, if we take our eyes off of God and who he has created us to be, we can easily fall into that culture around us, that culture of fear. And we've established that transformation and change is hard. And sometimes it may seem easier to just find friends who are kind of in the same boat as you are. To associate with people that maybe have the same tendencies as you do. Because like maybe misery likes company. Maybe it's just easier because, well, they're doing it too. 
Because maybe we just don't like our cross or our challenges or the things that we need to die to. We justify our actions or maybe our inaction by hanging out with people that are just like us. And friends, you may think it doesn't matter, but it matters. It really matters. People are watching. And if you say that you are a follower of Christ, they will see the inconsistencies. We can't delay. Don't be so arrogant as to say someday, but not now. Can we think like the butterfly that maybe we only have three weeks. What changes, actually, if we look at life that way? I know there are a whole lot of things that aren't near as important to me anymore if I think along those lines. Again, this gift of the gospel is the message about how God has acted in the world to rescue humanity, you and I, all of us, from sin and death through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus And this gift, friends, is significant. I think we in church can just get so used to and comfy with it. And we're not so eager to share it with other people. We hope they just like get it by what osmosis, right? Instead of actually walking into it. So can we allow the Holy Spirit to move us? To make those changes away from old habits and ways of thinking. You know, it comes back to how we start our day. And Jean prayed um, in prayer and praise about how we've got to align ourselves with God. So we align ourselves with God and we let him have our day. Then we can discern what it is that he's asking of us. See, I don't think we can be transformed with our ways of thinking. If we don't set our mind on choosing that. Yeah, we can choose new habits. It only takes 30 days, right? to choose a new habit. And I won't go much into that. I know Jordan's gonna be talking about this in a couple, of, a couple of weeks, but our willpower is simply not enough. We need to be transformed from the inside out, transformed of our mind and our heart. And that again requires surrender. You know, it's also another reason why this gathering that we do here on Sunday mornings is, is so valuable. We can encourage each other. We can remind each other of our impact and our value. Uh, We can proclaim the goodness of God, what he's done for us, in us, through us. And as we continue on in Romans, Paul here is, um, he does the same thing. He's saying to the church, he's saying, you know what? I am encouraging you out of the goodness of God and what he has done for me. But then he also says, hey, hang on. Remember, it's not what you're doing for God, but what he is doing for you. It's, it's God that brings the goodness to us. And we understand, understand ourselves best by what God does for us. Then he goes on to say, we're all in this together. And then he uses the analogy of the body. And uh, we pick this up in verse, I think, four. And he says, you know what? We're all in this together. We are like various parts of the body. We get meaning from the body as a whole. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, 
let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. So what kind of a butterfly are you? He says, just be what you were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with one another or trying to be something we aren't. Then he goes on to say, figure out what your gift is and act in it. He says, if you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with a disadvantage, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. So we, we work in our gifts. We figure out what our gifts are and then we touch other people with what is translated as love of Jesus. So when I'm talking about gifts, I'm not talking about skills. So many of, in he, uh, many of you in here are um, either good with numbers, maybe you're good with leading businesses, maybe you're super creative, you're leading. Like those are all great things. But what I'm talking about is the gifts that we just talked about here. The gifts of teaching, encouragement, serving, helping others, compassion. It's the difference between being good and being effective. We've got to be able to touch other people with these gifts. I think when we, um, we all work together within our giftings, um, it's just, it's a beautiful community. And I wonder just what, what might our community look like if we were all in that place where we let God transform us, transform our hearts and our minds, and to really be who he created us to be, um, and actually using our gifts. And the rest of this chapter shows us a little bit what that kind of looks like, living from that place of love. We pick it up in verse nine, where he says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians be, invent, be inventive in hospitality. So talking about eagerly welcoming people. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. And maybe even take it a step further and speak blessing, especially over those who reject you. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everyone. Don't insist on getting even. That is not for you to do. And he says, if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. 
So I wonder, friends, this morning, how does God desire to find his expression in you? And if you're not sure, you have no idea, I would say give attention to the ways that he's wired you, the places he has you, the people's paths that are crossing your path. And then dig into what changes you might need to make so that God has the room and the opportunity to transform your hearts and your thoughts. Don't wait. Friends, we cannot delay. We cannot do it tomorrow. We must receive this marvelous gift, this beautiful, surrendered heart and mind to the will of God. This gift of peace because we've died to ourselves. We've been sanctified, renewed, transformed into who we were created to be. James 4, 17 says it pretty bluntly. He says, so if you know of an opportunity to do the right thing today, yet you refrain from doing it, you're guilty of sin. So again, this idea of submitting and surrendering ourselves to God, to being connected to him. And part of that is needing to move. We need to move. Step away from the misery. That is not using your gift. Step away from that misery that is just hanging out with people that are also just kind of living life ineffectively not using gifts and talents to touch other people with the love of God. Become an agent of change and let transformation happen. Don't resist the change. Don't resist becoming what you were created to be. Don't live in that place of undoneness because you resist change. And again, I want to just challenge us this morning. Maybe I'll just pause and say, so a caterpillar will turn into either a butterfly or a moth. I'm not much of a fan of moths. Uh, They're kind of like nocturnal. They get into stuff in the pantry. Um, They kind of fly in your face. But both have been transformed. So we can be transformed into a positive life that is touching other people impacting them with the love of Jesus. Or we can just be comfy and safe and stay in the dark. So if you had three weeks to live, if your life was that, lifespan was that of the butterfly and you had three weeks, what is it that you would do with those three weeks? What changes do you need to make for that to become a lifestyle? So this morning, I hope that you could submit to the change, the changes that need to happen in your life, the changes that God wants to make in you, what he wants to do through you. We'll have a prayer team up front during um, this last song. 
And if you would like somebody to pray with you, um, to pray over you about this or anything else, um, feel free to do that as we go into this next song. Father, we thank you this morning for your transforming power in us, for your love for us, for the great gift that is you. God, I know and I confess it's easy to take for granted and to not be effective in sharing this great gift with other people. So God, this morning, I just want to commit again to stepping into the places that you want me to, to changing me in the ways that I can be more effective for you. Thank you for your, for your son, for his life, his death and resurrection. For your goodness. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.